0: Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops
1: far as I can see. The headlights on both teams.
0: Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Midwest Ag Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Associate Editor Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm riding solo this week um, back in Kansas in the temporary studios of HPJ Talk here at Shocker Studios in Wichita, Kansas. Uh, Kayleen and I were just at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association CattleCon Con 20 in San Antonio this week. She's on a plane right now coming back to Kansas, but meanwhile, it's my pleasure to introduce our newest member of the HPJ Talk team, and the reason why we're over here at Shocker Studios, Peyton James, our sound engineer. Welcome, Peyton.
2: Hi, thanks for having me. It's great to be here.
0: All right, so Peyton, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, You're from the Mineola area, isn't that right?
2: That's correct, yeah. I actually grew up in Greensburg, Kansas, and then after the tornado in 2007, moved to Mineola. So uh, that's where I finished up high school.
0: Great. So you've had a little bit of experience outside of Kansas. Um, you've seen some things and done some things in the world uh, some of our listeners might actually be familiar with. So tell us all about that.
2: Yes. Yeah, so um, I actually went to school in Orlando, Florida, uh, where I studied recording arts at Full Sail University. It's a a media school. And then after that, I moved to Los Angeles and lived there for a total of five years, I think. So uh, yeah, I worked in recording studios there and uh, just really got to be a part of the video game industry, worked on things such as Call of Duty and um, some video games like that. And yeah, it was a blast, but I am back in Wichita and I absolutely love it here. So uh, it's good to be back in Kansas for sure.
0: So, Peyton, you might hear his voice on the podcast in, a, in an episode in the future or so. Um, he's going to be doing some really heavy lifting for us as far as our sound engineer work. Hopefully, um, with his magic, we will have way better sound quality, right, Peyton?
2: Yes, that's the goal for sure.
0: <laughs> well, hey... Um, In this week's episode, we're going to bring you the stories you might have missed in the February 3rd print edition. We'll have a chat with Ryan Goodman of NCBA about beef advocacy efforts. And then Peyton will help us out and bring us the latest on grain markets. And of course, we'll have those final thoughts. So if you're recovering post NCBA like we are, grab some Gatorade and ride along with us on HPJ Talk. it's Jenny Latsky and Kaylaine Scott and we are at the National Cattlemen's Beef Association CattleCon 2020 and we are here today with Ryan Goodman who is okay remind me again what your what your super fancy super duper title is
1: Director of Grassroots Advocacy and Spokesperson Development
0: See, he's so much better at saying that than I am, folks. So, Ryan, um, you get to work with the Masters of Beef Advocacy. You get to work with the folks um, training them on how to be beef advocates from the grassroots level. What's the number one thing that you talk to them about when you introduce this topic to them?
1: You know, I think working with uh, producers, farmers, ranchers, everybody involved in the beef community all across the country, the number one thing that I usually share with them is uh, how you say it matters right uh, I usually I, so I do about 70 workshops a year with uh, state beef councils and producers all across the country and I always kind of start off asking why are we doing this and we're definitely communicators right we've got communication skills on the farm or the ranch but communication in the cattle pens is not necessarily effective communication
0: you know not that black one I want yeah, the other black there. one back there <laughs>
1: Right. And so when we're talking to consumers, that doesn't always cut it, right? It doesn't always get the message across that you want want them to hear. And so it's definitely how you say it matters. It's one of the biggest things we work with in advocacy. Um, We all are experts at what we do. We know how to raise cattle. We know um, what we're doing, taking care of the land. Uh, But yeah how we say things and how we're communicating with consumers isn't always a natural instinct. So that's something I'm pretty lucky to be able to do to help farmers and ranchers realize, hey, this is my voice, this is how I can share it and how I can be a stronger advocate and more effective with that message I'm sharing.
0: What kind of topics do you guys talk about or what do these advocates learn about when, during their training?
1: So there's a ton of things that we talk about when we're talking about beef and raising cattle uh, when we're working with our beef advocates. and, and Really this year in 2020, we're focusing on a couple of big areas that consumers want to know more about. They want to hear our stories about animal care. They want to know that, they're, that we're raising our animals responsibly and that the food that they're getting is from coming from animals that were treated well. Um, they want to know that we care about sustainability. Consumers don't necessarily say the word sustainability. They say we're eating for the planet. We care for the planet. And we, we want to make sure that the food that we're eating is supporting that. And so we're helping consu- uh, farmers, ranchers to talk about sustainability, how they are doing that. And that can be a really difficult thing to talk about. Um, It can be an intimidating word. You know, if I was to ask an audience of 20 people how they define sustainability, we would come up with 40 different definitions. And so we talk about how we're working to provide for environmental sustainability, social sustainability, and economic sustainability. What are those practices that we do each and every day that ladder up to that goal? And then we talk a lot about nutrition because the consumer sees our product on their plate. And that's something that I find that the producer sector of agriculture isn't the strongest on being able to talk about, right? When I was a kid on the ranch, I didn't know about the nutrition of that 12 ounce ribeye that was on my plate. And so helping producers to learn more about the nutrition of beef so that they can answer those questions for consumers, it's kind of that third bucket of things that we're really focusing on in 2020.
0: Hey, I got to say, I loaded my fair share of cattle onto trucks, and it wasn't until I was in my 30s that I went to my first um, packing plant and saw the whole process from start to finish. And and I, I, I kind of feel like, wow, where was that experience when I was a kid? But there was too much stuff to do around the ranch in order to take a field trip like that but I have a, a better, deeper appreciation for it. You know, it's interesting when you talk about buzzwords like sustainability or climate change or things like that, guys like my dad, they get hung up on, you know, they, they, they get hung up on that, but you have to understand that's what the consumer is using those, those types of terms. How do we define it in agriculture and how do we get them to understand that definition? It's kind of like speaking French in Japan.
1: Right. And so that goes back to that, how we say it matters. When we say that jargon, that industry lingo, things like sustainability, that doesn't always translate. Something as simple as um, a cow-calf operation. I got asked one time, so was that like a surgery? And I'm like, (laughs) no. So we have to say, you know, we've got the mother cows that have the young calves, and being able to put it in terms that it's not trying to dumb it down, it's not trying to get down to their level or or go around an answer, it's trying to to put it into a language that they can understand. One of the big hurdles is that everything in agriculture, I hear, you know, every podcast episode that you share, you're talking about science. Everything we do in agriculture, crop and livestock is based in some way on science and consumers are asking these questions based on emotion and those are two different languages.
0: You've got consumers that are asking in emotion and they got C's and D's in science class.
1: Exactly, or you know what? People don't care about the facts. They don't care about the science. They are asking emotional questions, and they want things to, to address those. And so, it's helping uh, producers, beef advocates, to understand those things and how to put our words into the terminology that helps them to match those needs.
0: So, um, one of the uh, one of the hot topics right now that we're getting a lot of calls on is the fake meat. The the the
1: Plant-based. Yeah, Um,
0: plant-based. You know what? We fed plenty of plants to our beef, so I figured that's the original (laughs) plant-based product. Thank you very much. But um, hot topics like that. How does NCBA... First off, what's the decision-making process when an organization like NCBA and... um, you've got so many diverse voices. How do you talk, how do you you make sure everybody's voice is heard from the grassroots level so that when we start talking about policy, so when we start talking about making, advocating for real change um, and education type things, how do you make sure that everybody's voice gets heard?
1: You know, I talk to a lot of farmers and ranchers, whether it be Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, in the heart of the country, or on the coast in California or the Carolinas, and I hear you, you're frustrated, right? It's really frustrating to see these companies introducing plant-based products and using language in their marketing that's inflammatory and defamatory to our products, right? Um, And so I say, you know what, I eat plant-based. Three quarters of my plate is plant-based, right? And then the other quarter is... The other quarter for myself is reserved for beef or fish or whatever that protein choice may be for the day. And um, what we found through consumer market research with NCBA and our Beef Checkoff funded programs is that it really doesn't resonate and it doesn't come across very well when we're saying look how bad those guys are, right? It wasn't a couple of years ago that we were mad at Food Babe because she was saying if a fourth grader can't pronounce it, you shouldn't be eating it. So why are we doing that today towards these new products that are out there? Um, And so you won't see our programs, you know, shouting the the names of these brands, of these products. One, I don't think that that's going to accomplish our goal that's drawing more attention to their marketing tactics what we can do is stand on the merits of our products and so we're doing that those three three things that I mentioned earlier and talking about our nutritional merits we bring a lot to the plate and we're going to focus on what that is we have a great story in sustainability to tell and so let's talk about those things and you know what we do care and value highly animal care proper animal care and handling for our animals and so let's tell those stories let's focus on our good products and let's not um, get into the weeds and draw more attention to those deceptive marketing tactics that are out there.
0: My husband and I have a small cow-calf herd, and our boys are eight and almost six, and we try to teach them how to do certain things when we're handling the cattle, and it doesn't always go as well as it should, but that's <laughs> a part of the learning experience for us as parents and them as kids. For me as a mom, is there resources out there for us to teach the kids or to share with their teachers on, you know, how, to, how animals are properly cared for and proper animal husbandry practices?
1: Right. You know, I hear you. Um, so I come from a family. I was raised with three boys in, in the family, my mom and my dad, and we managed a large cow-calf operation and, and stalker operation, and it can get crazy out there. But you still care at the end of the day, even though things may not go right. It's muddy. It's icy, whatever it might be. And you really do care about those things. So how do you translate that? I say the first thing is to take advantage of our Beef Quality Assurance Program, right? We know that we're doing the right things, and that puts, it into, that puts words to those practices that we know that are the right thing to do. So get your BQA certification, and then come through our Master's Beef Advocacy Program. We take those principles and say, okay, this is what consumers care about. And so how can we help to translate that? What are those examples and how can you share that? Whether it be through social media, a blog, writing in-person activities in your communities, face-to-face interactions, or just meeting somebody at the meat counter at the grocery store. How can you take advantage of those opportunities? And when we're talking about advocacy, it's not going out there and shoving the message in their face. That does nothing, that does not resonate. (laughs) right
0: oh come on you know you love it when when people shove information in your face and tell you to to believe this or or you're not you're not the right guy
1: you know I put that into the bucket of well when somebody tells you you're stupid you're ignorant you need to be educated how do you respond mm-hmm. you you don't right you you don't want to carry on that conversation and for a long time that's kind of where advocacy kind of you know
0: it was the yeehaw cowboy
1: yeah it was and so today we're realizing hey that doesn't necessarily work and so um, sharing that story day in and day out with authenticity on social media Um, so if it's your Instagram stories take that filter off and show what real life is like especially for parents like yourself you know um, there's a lot of moms out there that just want to connect with other moms and you can really connect on that common interest those commonalities as a person first so I put that into my own story I'm a crazy runner you know I you might if you follow me on social media uh, you might see some of my crazy running adventures and I've got a hundred mile race coming up this year
0: yeah I do 5K's and we we don't even lope them now. We're just strolling at this point, okay? But at least I'm doing the 5K.
1: Hey, you know what? That is awesome. And it's one step, you know, one step in front of the other, no matter what distance you're doing. But I say, you know, I go out there and I wear a big Team Beef jersey. Um, and I'm out there for hours on end with other athletes. And we're not 100 meter, 100 meter distance sprinters. And so we've got a little bit of time to talk. And we talk as other runners. We talk as other people. We talk about our love for the outdoors, public lands, the trails, wildlife, all the food at the aid stations that we eat. And we connect as a person on those commonalities. And then they see my team beef jersey and they say, hey, Ryan, what's that team beef about? And I get really excited because they've given me permission to be an advocate for what I want to talk about. And I could go in there and I could say, you have to eat beef in order to perform, knowing that they hear messages that say, you have to be vegan or vegetarian in order to perform well. But I don't do that. I say, hey, you know what, let's connect as runners first. And then if you ask me, then I'll share the information with you because I've connected with you on those commonalities. And and I think that that's a key. If we can do that in advocacy, we can be a lot more effective.
0: Okay, speaking of advocacy, we are really tickled because we have Brandy Buzzard-Frobos, who is going to be speaking at Cattle U 2020 in Dodge City, Kansas, at the end of July. And she just was named the 2019 Beef Advocate of the Year, right?
1: Right, so we're excited with Master's Beef Advocacy Program to to recognize Brandy. Um, She's done an amazing job the last couple of years in really telling that story with authenticity, uh, connecting with other parents as a mom, right? Um, She's got a young one that she takes out there feeding cows, riding the horses, whatever that might be, and she shares that story with authenticity. And then, you know what, she touches on the hot topics. If she sees other food products for the kids that have those BS labels that might be on there, you know what, she calls it out and she says, hey, this is the real story Real story behind that food. Um, or we're talking about antibiotics, hormones, sustainability, she does an awesome job of being able to tell that and had the opportunity um, to work with us this past couple of years on in national na- national outlets, um, CBS This morning story that came out, yep. right? Uh, she does an awesome job and is a great example of being able to share that story as an advocate. And so we're we're recognizing her here at the Cattle Industry Convention this week for her efforts and are helping to elevate her story um, so that other advocates can use that as an example.
0: So as we wrap this up, Ryan, um, we've got listeners from both in, in production agriculture and outside of production agriculture. So if you had somebody right here that, you know, hey, I'm curious about what NCBA is talking about, um, where can they go for more information?
1: So I would encourage folks to go to mastersofbeefadvocacy.com. We'll try to make it simple. The name of the name of the program is five online courses. It's free. Um, you say it walks through the beef fly cycle, and you might say, well. You know, Ryan, I know how cattle are raised. Yeah, but we walk through it. Here's the life cycle, and here's the things that consumers are concerned about, and how you can help to incorporate those things into your advocacy efforts to tell that story, to address those concerns. Um, and it doesn't stop there. We've got a Facebook group, we've got regular emails and newsletters that come out and continue to provide infographics, fact sheets, information about the latest hot topics that are out there so that you can be on top of your advocacy game out there. So that's mastersofbeefadvocacy.com.
0: Great. Well, hey, uh, thanks for joining us um, from the trade show floor, if you can't tell. We've, we've had a lot of background noise, and this is just day one. Um, we've got day two tomorrow and then day three on Friday. We're going to have more updates from um, CattleCon 20. Um, as we go along, we'll try to do a, a Facebook Live as well tomorrow from the booth, and we'll see you down the
1: road. All right. Thank you all very much for having me. Thanks, Ryan.
2: For your Dodge City Pride Ag Resources markets, as of February 4th, corn was down at $3.67. Wheat was down at $4.22. Milo was down at $3.17. Soybean were down at $7.65.
0: Remember, if you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters at our website, hpj.com slash Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email each week. Be sure to watch your mailboxes February 10th for the next issue of High Plains Journal or look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes, Google, Spotify, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again for riding along with us, folks, as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman Wyatt Earp once said, "Fast is fine, but accuracy is everything." We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. The headlights on both ends.